0: Lord, as we gather in your house today, remind us that it is your house. It's just not a place that we own to come and do our business, but it is a place where you have called the body of Christ together to do your your business. Lord, bless our time together this morning, the sharing of the word, the challenges. Uh, May they be challenges that uh, you lay out ahead of us, that uh, you're already out ahead preparing the way for us so that we might better serve you in your kingdom. We pray it in your son's precious name. Amen. <clears throat> you see that this message is called the State of the Union, and uh, I've done this several other times during the course of my ministry, and it just seemed as if this was a, a good time to talk about the state of our union, known as First Lutheran Church. Now, as I said, I'm not going to use teleprompters this morning, Don't need them, but like I said before, you're welcome to clap at any time, though it's not necessary. If you were thinking about this and I were to ask you this question, how would you describe the state of First Lutheran Church on the last day of January 2010? What kinds of things would you say about it? Well, this morning we're going to talk about those things i going to talk about it in three different parts. I'm going to talk about it in part one. Uh, we're going to take a little peek back over the last 22 months or so, because that's all the further I can go back. I've only been here 22 months, Nancy and I. But we're also going to look a little bit back at the previous 90 years, because we did celebrate 90 years in ministry this year. And we always do need to look back over those 90 years, because we literally stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us. We have lost two of our older members in the last couple of weeks, Raymond McNeil, and then we lost Kate Aaron. Two people that were part of building this church up to where it is today. And where we are today is partly the... Due to those people and many others that you would probably know from memory, their names. So we're going to do a little bit of that. In the second part, we're going to look at what we have been called by God to do. Not what we want to do, but what we have been called by God to do and to be as his local body of Christ. And in the third part of our message today, we're going to focus on some very immediate goals that I think are going to help make us more, even more effective in being a God-centered, Christ-honoring, Spirit-led church. I did not give you a message outline this morning. Otherwise, you'd write down stuff and hold me to it. I'm just kidding. Let me start by asking you this question. you see it on the screen. Why does this church exist? Why are we here at 4600 Texas Boulevard? Now, I've given you three possible answers to this question. First Lutheran Church exists for us. It's here for the people that are inside the church. How about that answer? Or could it possibly be answer number two, that First Lutheran Church exists for other people? We're not here for us. We're here for people who aren't yet in this church. Or could it be, number three, that First Lutheran Church exists for both? The people in this church and those yet not here. Now, many of you know that I work as a church consultant. I work for Church Doctor Ministries. The head of Church Doctor Ministries is Dr. Kent Hunter. We have researched... Thousands of churches across denominations, and we have asked them that question, why does the church exist? We've given them approximately those three answers, that it exists for us, it exists for others, or it exists for both, and I'm going to tell you the number one answer. In fact, 67% of all people who attend church on a regular basis say that the church exists For the people inside the church. That may surprise some of you. Some of you go, I got it right. I didn't ask you to raise your hand. Can you believe that? That two out of every three people who go to church Sunday after Sunday say that the reason we exist is for us, that it is a gathering place where we come together and we share the love of Jesus with one another. I got news for you. If that's really a country club, it's not really a church. There's a problem with an inward focus. As a former coach, I know that it is really hard to win if you're not in the game. And if all we're here for is ourselves, we're not in the game. We're not going to win much of anything. Sadly, the Great Commission to go and teach and baptize people has been replaced in a lot of churches by good purposes. We do a lot of stuff in our church, and it's all good stuff, but it's not really directed towards going and reaching people and baptizing people and discipling people to go out and do the same thing over and over again. And i got news for you. If this church is just only about us, I can tell you that there will be divisions in this church because there will be opposing special interest groups. If this is just about us, I can say, well, my issue is more important than your issue, and then we have some real trouble in a church. You should probably also know that if you do not have a true biblical mission, the congregation suffers a lack of vision. I just spoke to you three straight messages on vision. Where there is no vision, what happens? The people perish. Where there is no revelation from God, the people cast off restraint They're like the children of Israel before the kings came who did whatever they darn well pleased. They just kind of did church every Sunday. And those of you who know me, I don't want to do church. Not interested in church. I gave up going to church years ago. You know what church is, don't you? Churches, when afterwards, you complain about the hymns we sang. Who picked that stuff out? Why do we need to sing all 76 verses of this hymn? Can't the organist play faster? Can't the organist play slower? Can't we get people who sing on pitch? Can't we get them to sing down front? And and what's the deal with the pastor not wearing robes? We have done church, folks, But we had a nice potluck. I'm here to worship. That's what we're called to do, to worship. I asked the Bible class this morning, what do you expect the Holy Spirit to do today in worship? What do you expect? I bet a lot of you never gave it a thought. You were just kind of hoping you could beat the Baptists to Bryce's. We get out of here early, so we don't need to stand in line, Texas Roadhouse, or anyplace else. That we get the fresh biscuits at the Dixie Diner. Now, we are called here to worship. And if we don't have a true biblical mission, we don't have that vision, it's going to lead to plateau. And something like three-quarters of all churches in America today are either plateaued or declining. You'd be amazed at how many churches close every day in America. And if we have no vision, folks, we lose our effectiveness as salt and light. So which answer is correct? Well, I'm going to tell you which answer is correct. Not on the screen. Well, it is kind of. It's number three. The mission of Christ must come first. Who's that? Those are the people outside the church. They must come first, but supporting the mission team, that's the folks that are in here, needs to come second, a close second. It's a delicate balancing job. The church is here for both of us, but primarily it is for those folks who fall under the mission of Christ, but we need to take care of people inside who are going to be part of the mission team to make it possible Now, perhaps the reason we don't always understand this is because we really don't know what church is. I mean, how would you define church? I'll give you an example. Put it up on the screen. What is church? This is what a lot of people would say, a good description of church. Church is a group gathered together who consider themselves to be a church. They've got qualified elders present. They practice the sacraments—baptism, holy communion—and they have an agreed-upon evangelistic purpose. That's the church. Sound pretty good? What's First Lutheran Church? Well, it's a bunch of people gathered together who considers themselves to be a church. We got qualified elders. We got about a dozen of them—pretty good guys. We practice the sacraments. We have baptism. We have communion. We do it the right way—you know, the Lutheran way. And we have an agreed upon evangelistic purpose. We, you know, Matthew 28 and all that. Look at that a little closer. And let me ask you this question. What's missing? Go to the next screen. Jesus is missing in that definition of church. And believe me, if you can define church without Jesus, you can do church without Jesus. Just don't invite me to be part of it. Not interested in being in a church that does not start with Jesus. Now, some of you are saying, Barry, it was assumed in that last statement that Jesus was there. Don't assume anything, folks. If you can define church without Jesus, if you can define the church without the Holy Spirit, you don't have much of a church at all well if that's not a good definition can you give us one ok put mine up there here's, here's how I would define it church is the presence of Jesus or the presence of the Holy Spirit among his people who are called out as a spiritual family to pursue his mission on this planet what do you think of that one first luke you better agree no i'm just kidding <laughs> first lutheran church is the presence of christ among us it's the of the presence of the spirit among us his people and we are called out called out of this world to be a spiritual family, but we're called out to do what? To be sent back in to pursue his mission on this planet. That changes our perspective. Go to the next screen. In the past two years I'm just going to reflect back a little bit in the past two years. What's happened? Like I said, I've only got 22 months. I've asked a few of you, but what's happened by God's grace? By God's good graces, what's taken place? Let me give you a few of them. We've had some worship attendance increase. I'd even go so far as to say the kind of overall spirit of worship seems to have picked up a little bit. We've added a contemporary service, which is added to this place, too. We've had increased stewardship practice in this church. And and Wayne, who's been such a faithful servant in being our treasurer, would tell you that in the last couple of years, we have put all that money back into those designated funds that we had robbed Peter to pay Paul for many years. That money is back where it belongs, where people designated it for specific ministries. (laughs) We have finished some projects that only got started. One thing I heard, I, every once in a while I'd say, what's that? And they said, say, well, it's something we started, but we ran out of money. We finished some of those projects. And guess what? I can tell you that we have paid our bills. There's, there's two things as a pastor that I really believe in. And one of them is you don't spend what you don't have. And the second thing is you ought not to spend people's money on stuff for other things than what you collected it for. I mean, we're saying we want to bring in money to give an offering to Haiti. We shouldn't turn around and take that $1,300 and spend it to buy buns for a potluck. Just not good stewardship. There's been an increased interest in missions. I want to thank Lynn Lowe. If he were in the balcony, I'd point him out so the cameras could be on him, like a real State of the Union. But he got on fire for a church in India. And guess what? Because of that, we built two churches in India. We have supported various other groups who've come in, whether they be the Gideons or whether they be concerts or whatever. There's been an increased interest in Bible study, and here I'll direct my attention to the First Lady, (laughs) because uh, I know she doesn't want to hear any praise for it. She knows it's to God be the glory, but I, I certainly thank Nancy for continuing to do what she's done in every other church where you have a great number of women in Bible study, not only meeting in well, I call it our home, but it's your home. It's just a wonderful thing. Uh, and by the way, I'm going to put a plug in for Sunday morning. We're going to start a study on the book of Revelation next week, Sunday morning. We've had some concerts. Now, you may wonder sometimes why the concerts are here. Is it just to entertain us? Well, not really, it, but it is to get us together to enjoy it. But at the same time to allow you to invite your friends in to find out that Lutherans don't bite, that we're not bad people. Now, some of you remember the very first guy we've had River here. We had a good time with River. Uh, we've had Beyond the Ashes, probably one of the best groups we've had here. They're up for, a artists, Newcomer Artist of the Year in the Gospel Music Association. We had them here before. They were really famous. Kind of cool. We had a church almost full for the Meyer Bluegrass band. Which is an acquired taste, but it's good. <laughs> this coming Friday, we have the liber- liberated—I can't even say it—the liberated wailing wall from Jews for Jesus will be here this Friday night. Jewish folk music and dancing, and just to get us ready for Lent. And what a great group! And next Sunday, we're giving Gwen the morning off and Wayne too, because we have Dave Horn, who happens to be an LCMS pastor, who's a worship leader, and he's going to be with us next week and. You know, he's going to help me. I, I really don't have to do much next week other than just kind of be around and do communion. But he's going to be here to lead worship with us. And just to pique your interest, sometime after Easter, we have a Christian improvisational theater company coming called Prov. It'll be good to laugh in a Christian way, of course. We had a great summer vacation Bible school where we had, I I wish I'd got the numbers last night and asked, but from the number of kids, we had more volunteers, right, than we had kids. And not only was it a wonderful Bible school on the basics, which maybe some kids could actually remember what the B-A-S-I-C-S means. I won't tempt you. But it was a wonderful experience also for adults who got to listen to Matt Gain come and teach. There have been great improvements to the parsonage, and Nancy and I thank you for that. It's always been our thought that as we moved in that this was the church's property, and we want to be the best stewards of that property, and you've helped do that. We've changed some things here in the property, in the worship center. I know that kind of freaked a few people out momentarily, but we've got the screens, which have been useful. We actually moved the communion rails a little forward so we didn't have to make... Some of the uh, chronologically challenged people (laughs) crawl up three steps, giving you the option where you can stand or kneel. Been able to bring the pulpit down. I mean, I I just didn't walk. I, I can't walk very far if I'm banging into a side of a pulpit all the time. We've had a great cleanup day. We need another one. But it's just been some good stuff. And... I think after a a few rocky years in this congregation, this is just my assessment, but I think the church is pretty settled down. And we're ready to move on. Now, for all of those things, and I know that anytime you make a list, you're going to miss some stuff. We give God thanks and praise. I mean, God has been wonderful for this church. He's certainly been with us. And certainly as I look back on my first 22 months here, There's been a lot of groundwork, a lot of things that God has truly blessed. But, there's always a but, isn't there? But, it's kind of time to move on, too. So, in 2010 and beyond, I want to suggest that we are going to increase our attention and our focus on five key elements. And you see them up there. On worship, because we are called to be people who worship Him in spirit and in truth. I, I yet could not tell you how that is, but you know, worship is the engine that drives this church in evangelism and in an outreach to, to learn how to share the gospel with those people outside and to make the outsiders feel welcome when they come in. In stewardship, to, to be involved in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And in fellowship, I, here's my defini- definition of fellowship. It's pretty stupid, but it's my definition. It's two fellows on the same ship. Now, what that means is, you know, if you've got two people on the same ship, you're going in the same direction. And, and that's what we need to do. We all need to be together going the same direction. I talked about some horses this morning. One drug 4,500 pounds, one dro- drug 4,000 pounds. But when you hook the horses together... They drug, they drug something like 35,000 pounds. There's strength in numbers if we're all moving in the same direction. Now, the question is, how can we do these things? The answer is, we can't. If we're going to depend strictly on the pastor to do it. If you're going to depend on me or depend on me and Nancy together to be the two horses that are dragging the wagon, this church is in deep weeds. And if I as a pastor look out and say, I'm depending upon you to do it, it's time to retire. Now, I don't say that to demean anybody, but I'm telling you that we cannot do this without God's help. First and foremost we need to understand it's God's church. It's God's vision. And above everything else, we need to pray, and we need to commit ourselves to work together for the extension, not of the name of this church or the name of the pastor or the name of whoever, but to work together for the extension of God's name and God's kingdom. We need to be people of worship, people of witness, people of stewardship, people of fellowship, people of discipleship, We need to learn to say and mean those three F's that are in your worship folder every week. Do you know what those are? Faithfully loving Christ. Faithfully learning Christ. And faithfully serving Christ. Now, at the same time, there are some other things that we can do that would enhance our ability to be a disciple-making church with a heart for the lost. Let me give you a few. Go to the next slide. Uh, How we do the next one after that? This is God willing. I'm just going to tell you a few things we need to think about doing this next year. One of them that we're going to do is change our Constitution. Mm -hmm. We have a Constitution that is really outmoded and in many respects limits our ability to do things quickly, effectively, and efficiently. We're going to change it in such a way that we have a leadership team and ministry teams, ministry teams that are based on people's spiritual gifts and interests and abilities to do them. This is also a year when I believe that we need to decide whether we are going to renovate this building, relocate this building, or rebuild this building, or change this building. And if you want to know why, I'm going to tell you. I will tell you that I believe that our worship center is adequate. Our Sunday school space is limited our offices are out of the way no one can find them half the time our one main entrance the kitchen is not the least bit appealing to anybody as god is my witness i'd love to nail that door shut our lobby our lobby is way too small And our fellowship area is even somewhat limited. But what we need to do this year is to evaluate what is ultimately the best stewardship of our resources. The Board of Trustees has been talking about that. And what's going to come out of that? I'm not quite sure what is going to come out of it. We have a Director of Christian Education Challenge. This has been on the plate here at the church for a couple of years. Uh, It was started, it's been here, kind of ebbed and flowed. I'll just tell you that on February the 11th, a representative from Concordia College in Austin, Texas will be here to meet with some key leaders, and I I guess I'd invite you, if you have an interest in children's ministries, youth ministries, or the education of this congregation as a whole, because we're not just hiring one person to take care of a half a dozen kids, we're talking about the education of this congregation, I'd invite you to be here. This is the year, two of what I would call outreach efforts. We need to really do some sort of big outreach program, and part of that is kind of going through our current list. We have a list, believe it or not, of about 450 people on our membership roll. I've written a letter to quite a number of them and said, you live way outside of our ministry area. Can we help you find a church where you live? That leaves us really with about 250 people or so that would be on our membership list, of which some are inactive to some degree or another, that we need to deal with. By my best guess today, we have approximately somewhere between 150 to maybe 200 members. That's what I would call them. Part of this will also be something called Operation Jerusalem. And this will be a program that you'll all be able to be involved with, and that's going to get rolled out sometime in the coming months. Now, in summary, it's time to get serious. It's time to get serious about why First Lutheran Church exists. In fact, I think it's high time here in America that every church gets serious about why it really exists. My role is pretty much spelled out in Scripture. But guess what? Your role is pretty much spelled out in Scripture, too. Uh, Let me read you our job description. It comes from Ephesians chapter 4. Here it is. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Okay, that's kind of me. There are other people involved in this. He's given the church what? Pastors and teachers. For what purpose? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, who are the saints? If it's not St. Nancy or St. Ted or St. whatever. We are the saints we're talking about. My job here is to equip you or to make it possible for you to be equipped. For what? For the work of ministry. And ministry is whatever we do in the name of Jesus, whether it's in this church or outside this church. It says until we all attain to the unity of the faith. That's that fellowship all going in the same direction. And the knowledge of the Son of God. Nothing would please me more as a pastor than to know that everybody who walks into this building walks out knowing that they're going to heaven and knowing the reason why. It has nothing to do with their good works or good looks, but strictly by the grace of God through faith. That we all know the Son of God. To reach mature manhood. Now, one of our confirmands is sitting down here. And I love Courtney. I love the other three kids we got there, too. But one thing I'm going to tell you, Courtney, your spiritual life does not end with confirmation. You know that, though, don't you? It keeps on going all the way until the day God calls you home. We need to know that. We're, we're never going to learn all there is to know about Jesus or God or the Spirit or anything else in confirmation. It's an ongoing process. Some of you that are in my Thursday Bible class have figured out, wow, there's more in the Bible than I knew was in there. That's okay. That's good. And the reason is we want to grow into the full stature of the measure of Christ. We all want to be like little Christs. I mean, after all, we're called what? Christians. Christians. So we won't be children that we're tossed to and fro by the waves. You know, all that dopey stuff that we hear on television. People who purport to be... Christian or whatever, but to speak the truth in love, to deal with each other in love and honesty, to grow up into him who's what? He's the head of the church. We're just parts of the body. There's your job description. There's mine. Now, in conclusion, let me encourage you in these days to do a couple things. Go to the next screen. I always think about these three B's. And that is to be informed. If you ever got a question, friends, ask. I mean, you don't need a parking lot meeting to try to outguess anybody. Just go ask. If you don't know who to ask, call me. I'll tell you who to ask. Or maybe I even actually know the answer. Never can tell. I might, you know, they say even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Be informed. Read your worship folder. Read your newsletter. Look at the website. If you got a Facebook page, link it to the First Lutheran web. If you got a, a Facebook page, link it to the First Lutheran Facebook page. There's announcements on there too. Be involved. It's more than just parking in the pew. It means leaving the pew and taking it to the streets. But most of all, I'd say be in prayer. Pray for me. been a tough year for me in a way. I've only had, uh, let's see, both lenses of my eyes repaired, a surgery that was supposed to be overnight, took me four days to get home, and another one that really went south and kept me there for a week. And you know, just pray that I remain healthy, that Nancy remain healthy. Pray for the leadership of this congregation we're going to elect today. Pray for Wayne as he assumes the responsibility of, of being the new chairman of this congregation. Pray for our new, pray for everybody in leadership positions. And then always, I want to end up with this one, to see the vision. There is a vision always, friends. It's a vision of the past, present, and the future. I mean, each of us as Christians, the vision of our past is that once we were sinners, the vision of the present is that God's working in our life so that we have a future in heaven someday. We see the same thing in the church. We can look back at the past of the church 90 years, but we can also see where we are today. But I think it's really kind of neat sometimes to look and say, where could we go? And to live the mission. And guess what? There's only one mission. It's spelled out about four or five different times in the Bible, whether you want to go through Matthew 28, go and make disciples and baptize them, or whether you want to use Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that when the Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. There's only one. But to live that out and to feel the passion. I worked up a sweat this morning. I'm passionate about this stuff. You can probably guess that. I'd hope you would be the same. Well, I think that's all I have to say. But I pray that God will join all of us together in making his kingdom grow and extending his name. Well, it's time to sit back and let the choir sing. Even though I preached to the choir this morning, I know, but sometimes, guess what? Even the choir needs to be preached to every once in a while. But uh, we're so very thankful. I'm thankful, I should just say this, to have good people to work with. I've said before, I'm so thankful to have Nancy, who's, uh, you know, my helpmate, helping me in ministry. I'm so very thankful for Gwen in worship music as well. I'm thankful for Vicki. Uh, in all the work that she does, and I'm I'm thankful for um, Eddie and Pam Wood who see to it our our property stays clean inside, and and for all of our past board members and all of our future board members, you know, God's called us together uh, for one great purpose, and as the choir is going to sing today, I guess the purpose is what? To go forth.